Howdy, you're listening to Think Brazos. We're dedicated to improving housing affordability, economic opportunity, and financial stability for families in Bryan and College Station, Texas. The city of College Station is considering allowing neighborhoods to vote for a restricted occupancy overlay, or RU for short. A RU would limit the number of unrelated people who can share a home, and local residents are divided over whether the RU would be good for College Station. This podcast episode is part of a series where we interview locals about the RU. In this episode, we interview Jeremy Osborne, who is a current member of the College Station Planning and Zoning Commission. Thanks so much for um, coming on to talk with us for a few minutes here. Um, sure. You are on the PNZ for College Station currently. Yes, uh, this is my fifth and I think final year on on PNZ this year. Really? Okay. Yeah, my so term is start- up in January. Okay. Okay. Well, that is awesome. And uh, what do you do? You're an attorney, right? I am. I'm an attorney. Uh, had started a business here in 2015 and we actually sold in 2019. So I've taken some time off after, after we sold it more time than I thought, but I was letting like the world <laughs> settle down for a minute, but I've got a couple of new projects I'm working on. So. Okay, perfect. Well, that's awesome. Um, well, yeah. I don't know how much you've seen of um, our program that we've started with Habitat. Uh, Think Brazos. Um, did you a did little you- bit, but tell me about it. Yeah, uh, so we started about, is it a year ago? Maybe a a year or so ago. uh, Really wanting to have a larger voice than what Habitat currently had to talk about housing and financial resiliency for families in Brazos County. So we're real specific, kind of a localist bent as far as, you know, local problems, local solutions. Um, and so we're interested in talking about anything that relates to that in Bryan or College Station. Um, and so with the RU, um, that caught our attention because uh, middle of last year, uh, I was following the uh, City Council College Station as far as some of the things they were working on. The RU came up, some discussions about it, and uh, there were there was a council person who was talking about the reasons why the RU was important in his opinion and uh, that it wasn't going to hurt different groups of people. And he mentioned low income folks and he said, you know, it's not going to hurt them, but if it does, they've got Habitat for Humanity. And so that's kind of what got our attention, you know, on our end is, okay, we have a very difficult time building in College Station as it is. Um, The land is very expensive. Um, and we've got a lot of people that need help there. And uh, a lot of them end up having to live in Bryan. So it's like, if there's anything that's going to make our job and the lives of our clients more difficult, we're going to want to talk about it. And sure. so that's kind of how we got to this point. Um, I work full-time at Habitat. Whitney does part-time. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, we just kind of fell into this gig as a way to kind of amplify the things we want to talk about. So great. a little bit, a little bit about us. Um, but uh, yeah, we got your name through Elizabeth Kuna. We had uh, interviewed her last year with Think Brazos um, when she was campaigning. And okay. uh, so I asked her, hey, you know, who could we talk to who has some views on the Rue and your name came up. So that's I'm not why surprised we were, about that. <laughs> <wanted to> talk- <laughs> Elizabeth is great. I, I'm so glad she won. And yeah. I think she's such a great addition to council because as you know, if you've watched the meetings, there's, 
you know, a, a prevalent viewpoint or right. demographic that's represented. And she really comes at it in a different way. Uh, it, it's not the traditional sort of NIMBY neighborhood versus development. You know, she's looking out for a lot of underrepresented groups in the community. And so I, I think she's been a great fresh voice to have. So right. Glad to talk to you today. I'm glad she recommended it. Yeah, definitely. So what is your um, your take on the restricted occupancy overlay? It, you know, I've debated about how, how much to say or not say, but my, my views are on the record. You know, we had a meeting last summer, last uh, July, I believe, where this came up for the first time at Planning and Zoning. And, and I was very plain spoken about how I felt. I think that it it really fights against the reality of the community in which we live. It's an eclectic place. There are a lot of college students who live here and obviously they live close to campus because that makes the most sense for them. It makes the most sense for other members in the community. And this is an effort to re-engineer a lot of neighborhoods that historically never were predominantly owner occupied or family occupied. So I, I don't really understand the push at this late date in 2021 to try to create something that, that never was. And by doing so, I think it, it brings up a lot of issues that you mentioned in your introduction. This is a very expensive place to live. A lot of groups are being pushed out of the city into neighboring cities, into unincorporated parts of the county. And that's that's not a good thing, right? This has always been an eclectic place. It's always been a place where people were welcome, had a strong international presence, and it's a very transient community. There's a lot of people who live here temporarily and they just have different housing needs. We need to be able as a city to, to serve that community. That's what keeps us vibrant. That's what keeps us economically viable. That's what helps us support the university, which is really why we're here. So I, I think it's a terrible idea. I think it's bad policy. And I think at its very root, it's, it's frankly discriminatory. Could you describe um, how the rule would be enforced for people who are curious what this would do with their neighborhoods if it does go through? Sure, um, that's a great question. It's <clears throat> I'm uncertain how exactly it would be enforced because right now we have a no more than four restriction on occupancy in the city. And we, we've talked about it extensively over a, a number of years in, in different contexts. And what staff to their credit has always come back and told the commission as well as the council is that it is an incredibly difficult ordinance to police and enforce. Mm. You unless you literally go door to door and start knocking, you don't necessarily know who lives at a residence, who's just visiting. And even then you, you kind of rely on the people who are there to tell you what is or is not taking place in the home, who and who does not live there. When you look at the stats, you have other guests who may have shared this with you and I can get you the information I don't have in front of me, but over the past several years, they've really not been that many complaints about violations of this ordinance and the ones that have been investigated and successfully prosecuted have been in in the single digits mm. and those are overwhelmingly only because the people who are charged openly admit to violating the ordinance but in terms of actually investigating and prosecuting and successfully demonstrating that there are more than four unrelated people living in a residence i think it might have only been maybe one or two cases in the past five years, if it happened at all. One. So it's incredibly difficult to, to police, to enforce. And I think it goes back to th the issue that a lot of people have is not necessarily that there are more 
than four people unrelated living in a residence because we have more than four people living in residences all over the community who are related. So, so what is the issue? It's behavioral in nature, right? It's, it's noise, it's traffic, it's, it's lighting, it's, it's whatever comes along with a lot of more or less college students is, is what the ordinance is geared toward. It's the issues that come along with that. But even when you look at just general code enforcement issues. So someone complains about noise, someone complains about garbage, someone complains about traffic. We had a presentation recently by, by Jay Broadnecks who just left the city, she moved to Dallas, but mm. she gave a, a great presentation that I would recommend you go back and take a look at if you haven't seen it. There is over a 99% compliance rate with code enforcement. So that means oh. that to me, the system is working. If someone has an issue, they report it to the city either by calling or by reporting it. Someone goes and investigates it. And, and of the 99%, I think it was maybe over 90% of those that are resolved successfully are resolved on the first contact wow. with the resident of the, of the home. So it, what the city is doing is working. We have rules in place. We have avenues for people to go and report violations of those rules. They're doing so. The city investigates and without any kind of prosecution, civil, criminal, or otherwise, they're getting compliance with, with those requests. And so I, I honestly don't see why there is such a big push because if it's behavioral nature, which it always appears to be when people speak on the subject, those issues are being addressed in other ways through other code enforcement mechanisms. And we're having incredible success thanks to the staff with getting residents to comply with those requirements. So uh, if that's the case, um, do you have any ideas as to why there's such a push? I mean, I think um, a council member in the last meeting, you know, made the comment, you know, why do we keep talking about this? Let's just have a vote on it. There, there seems to be a real push to get this done. If it's not compliance isn't the issue, what is it? I, I think that it is a politically sensitive issue. There, there are politically active people in the community, especially members of, of CSAN, who want this. They, they've wanted this for years, and now they feel the heat to actually take action. Almost okay. every single member of council has been endorsed and supported by a single special interest group in the community. And, and that is dangerous in and of itself, regardless of why this group exists or what it supports. The fact that you have a, a basically a supermajority being pushed by, in my opinion, a myopic group that's looking to do something that isn't going to solve the problems. Uh, they're, they're feeling political pressure to take action. And I, I think you've seen it's not a very popular idea. That's why it's been so delayed because people out in the community don't want it. Staff has repeatedly said, we can't enforce it. It won't be successful. And there are genuine questions about whether it's even legal to take this action. I hope that this doesn't happen, but I would fully expect that there will be legal action taken if this is ever successfully uh, imposed over, over a neighborhood. Right. But the people who are supporting it primarily, primarily live in neighborhoods where they say they couldn't be successful in getting this passed. So again, I don't, I don't really understand what the purpose of it is. Yeah. I, I feel for people who live in neighborhoods that have changed. I understand that that happens, especially to older residents. And that's, that's not really fair. And I want to protect them. And no one who's on a commission or who's on the, the council or staff 
wants bad neighborhoods. You know, we all put in time as volunteers for the city because we love the community. I love it here. I, I want to see it thrive. I want to see it succeed. And an integral part of that is having really great neighborhoods where people want to live and feel safe and feel comfortable to, to carry out their lives. And so whatever we can do to help those residents, I, I want to do. But I think we can't in the in, in the name of politics, take an action that is going to discriminate against certain residents in the community that really isn't going to address the problems that a lot of these residents who are concerned have, and yet we're telling them that this is some sort of panacea to their problem. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think Brasses. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Alexa. Check out the other episodes on the Rue and let us know what you think by leaving a comment or sending us an email at thinkbrasses at gmail.com. Think Brasses is a project of Brian Clyde Station Habitat for Humanity. And just remember, think local, think Brasses. Think Brasses.